Hello, I am recording my first, my main man, Matt, series. As I begin my sabbatical, I have started with a hike up to uh, the headwaters of the Mississippi. And so I'm looking through all of the different uh, ways in which we see the sources of beginnings. And uh, it's a good way to start. The series that I'm running through with my main man, Matt, is the series of all the Matthew Gospels that will be before us this fall as we begin a new semester at UND and as we begin on the 23rd of August. So we begin with Matthew 16, 13 through 20, which I will read. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. We begin this fall with an identity of Jesus, an identity for Peter, and perhaps an identity for us as well. This question of identity, I think, matters a great deal when we wonder about who we are so that we have a chance to talk about how who we are connects with the world around us. The disciples are grappling with the idea of who Jesus was, but just at the same time, they were grappling with the idea of who they were as new disciples, following this one that amazed them and made them wonder about so many things, but also confused them and said many things that they could not quite understand. So Jesus arrives in the district of Caesarea Philippi, which is a way of saying he crossed over from Jewish territory into Gentile territory. It's an important movement in the Gospels when we see Jesus and the disciples move in and out of Jewish and Gentile territory because the things that are said when he's in those places tell us something about what Jesus is hoping to communicate. In this case, identity questions are formed outside of their Jewish lands. Of who Jesus is and who they are comes when they are in Gentile territory. It's asking them to wonder beyond the boundaries and the limits that they have established about who the Messiah could possibly be because it was well-formed in the minds of most Jewish people. The Messiah had very particular ways in which uh, they thought that person would come to them. More as a militaristic conqueror, a king, somebody who would give them their freedom as Israelites again and establish a kingdom on earth that would be superior to all the other kingdoms around them. As we think about what Jesus is asking in this day to them at Caesarea Philippi, he's asking, who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
Well, that's a couple things in there that I wonder about. The first is that the Son of Man, it is a title that shows up both in the Hebrew Bible as well as in the Gospels. It's a popularly used phrase, right? It's a, a way of describing somebody who is um, connected relationally to, to God and to God's people. It may or may not have divine connotations. I think it does in this case have some, as the uh, writer uh, of Matthew might suppose. But in the case of the Hebrew people, the Son of Man might just mean somebody who is raised up by God to do God's work. And this may also could be a synonym for Messiah, but we're not quite sure yet, are we? I think it's a leading question, but it's asking the disciples to wonder, who am I? Why did you leave all of your family and possessions behind? And why did you come and follow me? So the disciples take uh, stabs at this. They try to wonder who this son of man is. So they begin by saying, well, John the Baptist, um, maybe Elijah or Jeremiah, clearly one of the prophets, right? You're in the prophetic tradition, right, Jesus? And then finally, the son of man, who that represents, is given to the voice of Peter because Peter answers Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. In that statement, Peter cements his relationship as the disciple who knows the best about Jesus, the most so far about who Jesus is. Clearly, we will see that he does not have it all figured out, but he has this moment figured out, this moment when we realize that Jesus is the Messiah, but he is a Messiah making a claim in Gentile lands. His identity is being formed around disciples who have no standing, no religious authority, in a place far away from the temple and from the center of Judaism. Here, Jesus is aligning himself with the declaration of Peter. And Jesus does answer Peter by saying, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. He is endorsing Peter's statement. He is the Messiah, but there's a lot yet to be learned about what kind of Messiah Jesus is, what Jesus' identity truly looks like, because it's not going to be this divine, kingly, warrior Messiah. It's going to be an entirely different kind of Messiah, which we know as we translate is the anointed one or the one that's sent from God to be God's leader. One of the curiosity piece for this to me and Jesus answered is he goes back to uh, Peter's lineage and talks about Simon as the son of Jonah. And I just don't know if there's a connection at all to this story, but I do know that Jonah, of course, was a prophet uh, from the Hebrew scriptures who had a really difficult time listening to uh, God's call in his life. And we know the story that he was called to go to Nineveh, but instead he went in the very opposite direction and took a, a ship that eventually uh, encountered this big storm and he was thrown overboard and swallowed by a big fish and vomited up on shore. And then finally, after, you know, basically throwing his hands up in the air, decides to decide to follow God's call in his life and goes to Nineveh. But, Nineveh. but even then, he's still not happy. And 
he has great success and he's unhappy with his success and he's unhappy that he's doing this and he's never fully got the idea of what his call is all about. And it makes me wonder about Jonah and it makes me wonder about Peter and Peter trying to understand his own call and his own identity as a disciple of Jesus. But maybe he too will struggle like Jonah to try to figure some of that out. But Peter, but Peter gets more information than just that you are blessed because Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, you are Peter or rock, right? It literally means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. There's, of course, a long history for Peter being associated with the first bishop for uh, the Roman Catholic tradition. But there's this idea, right, that we look to Peter as a key disciple in, in uh, starting this Christianity. And, and of course, we know that when Matthew's gospel is written near the end of the first century, Peter is looked back on as one of the disciples from which the tradition um, comes out of because Peter, of course, is there at Pentecost in Acts and in other places we see Peter uh, show up where we know that he had an important role in the early church forming their identity, right, of who they are. Did they yet get who Jesus was and what their call to follow Jesus looked like? There was a lot of angstiness in the beginning of the church and still continues to be, right, about who Jesus is as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, who we are as his disciples, what it is that we are called to be about, not followers of the traditional idea of Messiah, but one that opens up the worlds of how uh, violence and authority aren't necessarily the way of God, but this other way that Jesus speaks about as the kingdom of heaven. And finally, he talks about this idea with Peter and says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There is the sense that the kingdom of heaven is what this journey is all about. It is here that we understand that Jesus is trying to create this teaching moment. And it's going to take a lot of teaching moments yet to come to form identity around who we are as followers of the kingdom of heaven. And the parables that will come throughout the rest of this fall and as we encounter Matthew are going to try to delineate what the, exactly that means, that the kingdom of heaven looks like so-and-so. And we'll hear a story. It looks like this. It looks like this. And every story adds more meaning and layers to it because the kingdom of heaven is, not, is a little bit elusive, right? But it clearly aligns itself outside traditional boundaries and traditional forms and it kind of puts us in this awkwardness of really, this is, this is what we're about finding ourselves, you know, at odds, even sometimes with our own privileges and advantages when we align ourselves with the kingdom of heaven, just as Jesus found himself up against it with the religious leaders and authorities as he journeys towards a destiny of non-acceptance and ultimately uh, a death uh, on a cross. The final thing that is said by Jesus in our text for August 23rd is that he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. 
it's a confusing thing to say when he wants them to understand them as him as the Messiah. And I don't have a lot to know about this other than my guess is that the timing wasn't right for that to be broadcast uh, widely throughout the, the followers in the region. Because, of course, if, he, if they start understanding Jesus as that person, his life becomes more in jeopardy all the time because anybody wants to take out the next king, the next ruler. They're a threat to so many people. And so perhaps it's just a biding of time that is asking the disciples to just not say anything at this moment. I feel like you, we are on a journey together. As my main man, Matt, uh, who is the author of this gospel, is going to help us into this journey of understanding the kingdom of heaven. And as we understand this journey, I think we'll see glimpses of how we are called to be disciples and how we journey with this Jesus into places that make us feel uncomfortable and uncertain at times, but prod us into something of thinking about greater things than the things that we're able to think about without these parables and these stories in front of us. I pray for our identity formation in this time and my own identity formation around this one Jesus whom we call the Messiah. Let us pray. God, you are forming us into your disciples. We know that you are the one whom we name as Messiah. Teach us about who you are. Teach us about who we are. Thank you for providing the kingdom of heaven for us to think on so that we might bring your kingdom to this earth through our call and our identity as your chosen people. Amen.